encouraged because the industry has, think how the industry's changed in 20 years. You were hard pressed to find any negotiated work 20 years ago, much less integrated project delivery, lean. I mean, lean was making the inception of lean for construction was being talked about. You know, it really has gained the momentum in the last 10 years or so. It just points up the fact that everything we're working toward is more collaborative, more relationship driven. I mean, you can't have lean without the people side of that equation. I mean, a lot of people try to, they try to make it a process or a scheduling tool, which it's not. Um, The people sides of what we do day to day and and putting projects together is vital for success. And if you're not adept at that and you haven't explored these areas and you haven't really taught your people what this means and and how it affects them, and it affects everything, affects safety, affects, um, you know, stress, the, the stress levels that we put people through, affects how they perform. And that's, it all boils down to performance for me. It's all about performance, mental, physical, emotional performance, as well as some type of spiritual aspect to this, uh, which yeah. I can't, we don't talk about maybe specifically in those con- in that context, having something outside of yourself that's important. And I think all of those elements need to be in place. No, you're totally right. And, and I think uh, it's being recognized in other industries as well. I'm reading a book now uh, that Jeff Sutherland is making me read. And that's what that's what a good mentor does is he forces education on you. And it's it's a book about Scrum and the preface is actually quoting from the Tao Te Ching and talking about the spirit of how we we play, form and work together. Yeah. And I'll just give a, a plug to Jeff uh for anyone who's going to be you know the thousand questions I'm going to get asked. You know what? Let the comments come. If you don't know <laughs> what the title of the book is, send me a comment and I'll answer it <laughs> or right. drop me an email. Yeah, so I mean, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about, man. Yeah, so I'm wide open. Welcome to the EBFC Show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Join me and many others from the Lean Design and Construction community at their 22nd Annual Congress. It is being held virtually this year, the week of October 19th. Our theme is the ABCs of Lean, transformation through actions, best practices, and coaching. Register at www.lcicongress.org forward slash 2020. Check the show notes for more information. Thank you, LCI. Now, to the show. Well, I def- I know you are wide open. That is a fact, Brent. When I <laughs> had the pleasure of speaking with you in person, as brief as it was, I got the sense right away that uh, judgment was really low. You accepted me just the way I was, and I felt safe and secure. Well, good. I, I mean, that isn't a deliberate thing, but I'm happy that that's the... Um that's what you felt because certainly I would like that for everybody. In fact, I'd like everybody to be able to do that as well, as well as yeah. it was quite striking to meet somebody like yourself. You were like a, a living, breathing Carl Jung. If oh, the, wow. Well, that's the, a high compliment. <laughs> and it's kind of funny that uh, just this week alone, Brent, I was talking to a, a gentleman that runs a small boutique construction company and he's also a big fan of Carl Jung. And I thought, mm-hmm. what are the, what are the odds? It just must be like psychology week in construction right now. <laughs> well, you know, it's getting, I'm meeting people. I met a woman through on LinkedIn. That's uh, I, I did a podcast for ASCE and it was a round table discussion and she's teaching mindfulness and meditation to the construction industry. And then there's another woman in Australia that's doing something very similar, emotional intelligence and health and well-being to the construction industry. So I think we're starting to wake up. I think the the collective consciousness is a little bit, uh, it's on the rise and people are starting to really get these concepts and know how good they are for them as individuals and for us as an industry. I I think that's a, a key thing with the change in generations in the workforce. Now I read something earlier this year that 
the millennials and Generation Y have overtaken the majority in the construction industry now as the dominant group. Nice. We've had quite a few people retire, you know, from the, the older, and I'm like in the middle yeah. where I am. So I'm like, I'm straddling and I can see, you know, one way it's this way and another way it's totally new and different and just right in the middle. Always correcting people that I'm not a millennial. It's not, I'm not offended. I'm right. just, I'm just not that young. Well, and and we got to remember, I, I, I did some math the other day, and I, I, there's an article in Kurt's magazine called The Voice on Generations, Why We're Not So Different, um, that I wrote. And, and the oldest millennial is now 40. Oh, my God. <laughs> so so we got to quit talking about those kids. Yeah, it, it changes here. So I want to I want to pick your brain because it's not often that we get somebody with your experience to come on the show. And this is a topic that's been weaving through the last handful of interviews that I've done with folks have been talking about the psychology of the job site mm -hmm. and how things are changing. Yeah. And I noticed that that's a, a space that you work in quite significantly. For those that don't know, can you tell the audience who is Brent Darnell? Well, my job is I, I teach emotional intelligence and all of the critical people skills uh, to the construction industry. And that's every part of the industry. I work on the design side. I work on with general contractors. I've worked down to the foreman level with field folks, guys with tools in their hands. And it's all about understanding the, the, what emotional intelligence really is and how important all these critical people skills are to success of a project and to, to your own personal success and your own health and well-being. And I've done that in 20 different countries and probably at least that many states. And, and I also teach at the college level. I uh, teach at Auburn and Penn State and Virginia Tech and Northwestern. And uh, so we're starting to make some inroads into the, the young folks that are at school now that are gonna be coming into the industry and telling them how important these skills are. And, and we all know it to be true. You can have those people that are pretty technically excellent or they're great builders, but they're not very good with the people end of, of stuff and they're not effective. They're, they're, just no, they're just sort of dinosaurs in the industry. They're no longer as effective as they used to be. And they used to be quite effective, I think, when the culture was so different. Um, so, and the, the thing that intrigues me, I've been doing this for, for 20 years. Can you imagine 20 years yeah. ago, this was probably really freaky and weird and, you know. Yeah, uh, it still is to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe still is. Right, Brent. And where can people get a hold of some of your work? Well, then go to my website. And um, I, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm posting on my LinkedIn profile uh, daily a chapter from the People Profit Connection. All right. And then I'm going to also post daily uh, chapters from the Tough Guy Survival Kit, which includes relationship skills, communication skills, presentation skills, stress management, time management. So I'm going to be posting uh, chapters every day on my LinkedIn profile. So they can download them one at a time on the chapter. They can go to my website, sprintdarnell.com, go to the store, and you got links to, to all the books. Did you know I wrote a book called The Tao of Emotional Intelligence? I did not. You got to tell me about that book. <laughs> it's a great book. So I notice I read the Tao Te Ching every day. Wow. So I, I have an app where I read, I you know do the thing and read different aspects of the Tao Te Ching and then apply it to my day. That's part of my morning ritual. And uh, I started noticing the real parallels between emotional intelligence and what I taught and the Tao Te Ching. So. Uh, in the book, it's a, just a little book, you take the emotional intelligence test, you get your profile, you decide what you want to work on, and then it tell, it, if you want to work on, say, empathy, it, it goes through all the different permutations of the Tao Te Ching that have to do with empathy. Oh, man. So you can get your empathy Tao Te Ching in the morning and say, okay, this is what I'm going to apply throughout my day to try to work on my empathy skills. And I've also created an app from the book that does the same thing. So oh, I'm definitely a, getting the app and, and the book. And the, sold. And the, okay. You sold me. Good. Well, on the my website, you can go to either the Android or, or 
Apple and you know get the the app that you need. But it's the app's the same name, the, the Dow of Emotional Intelligence. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes, Brent, and then for people watching on YouTube, I'll put it right here so they can check it out and as well in the description so people get a hold of that app and transform their whole life. You know, I was I was flying quite a bit and I would make sure in every flight up and down I'd I'd go through it at least once. Mm. And uh it definitely makes it a lot easier to navigate the world. A big undercurrent of that is the is the constant change. Yeah. And uh in the construction industry I think we have a tendency to for status quo and whatever is easiest for us to, to, to go for. And, and we're not into radical change. And then, you know, you get something like a global pandemic that really lends itself to radical change and pivoting and figuring out new ways of doing things. So if you're not doing it now, it's, you better be doing something because the world's a different place, you know? That's the funny thing. Like we we hear all these stats on how people hate change and we don't like change, and yet, are we're just a living embodiment of change. Exactly. We're in a constant state of change. Yeah. Well, and it's the embracing of that change that I think is is the key. And I always tell people, constant. You know, think things being constantly changing makes everything possible. Yeah. Right. But um, I want I want you to hit back on. You mentioned the the topic of stress. I remember I was lucky enough to be in the audience when you're giving a presentation, yeah. and we all had to take uh, the self assessment. And it was a it was a big uh, construction group of folks in the audience, and I feel like eighty percent were over the line where where normal stress should be. Yeah. Can you talk about what stress does to our cognitive functions? For those that don't know. Yeah, it's stress is a killer. It affects every part of your physiology, every part of your, your cognitive ability, judgment ability. In fact, the, the safety program that we've created talks a lot about stress because I'm decreasing the ability to problem solve by up to 500%. Mm. Because it's this low level fight or flight that you're in. So your body's putting out these little pumps of adrenaline and cortisol, the stress hormone, which guess what? Shuts down your thinking brain. Because your body thinks it's in danger. Your body thinks it's in fight or flight. So you don't need a thinking brain when you're in fight or flight. You're either going to fight something or run away or, or freeze. And those are the three options you have. And your brain just thinks it's a survival thing. So it's shutting down your thinking part of your brain. So you can't think as clearly. Your, your judgment isn't as good. Um, you know, and all, a lot of things can affect that besides stress. Things like nutrition, you know, and glucose levels affect that. Things like sleep. There's a great book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. And um, he talks about sleep, lack of sleep being a contributing factor to just about every disease you can name. Diabetes, any of these autoimmune diseases, cancer, Alzheimer's, dementia. It, it's traced back to lack of sleep either is causing these things or exacerbates those things. Yeah, and I can't remember if it was your talk or somebody else talking on the topic of stress in the workplace, and and they asked two questions. You know, raise your hand if you if you just recognize you're in a high stress situation or workplace, and then mm -hmm. keep your hand up if your go to food is sugary, sugary drinks, Red Bulls, Monsters. Yeah. You know those types of things that keep you caffeinated. And the same hand stayed up. Exactly. It just fuels it. And it, it, it gives you sort of a, a semblance of your brain working properly, but, and it, maybe it does for a time because you've got this shot of glucose and caffeine, but the crash that comes later is devastating because you're going to be far lower than you were when you drank that thing. Yeah. Right? And it also, they've, they've linked the, those energy drinks and the tarioline, which is an amino acid, to heart palpitations and heart attacks as well. So those are really bad for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I was in college, Brent, my wife and I used to, we were dating at the time, we'd, you know, we'd go to the gym, pound a monster, go home, wash our cars, wash our parents' cars, <laughs> you know. Paint the house. You know, and, cut the grass. And then and then be like, whoa, it's just I'm you're sitting still and you're sweating. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The things you try when you're in college. 
but you know, I, I mean, I'm seeing those that those levels of stress really taking its toll, and then you tie that back into mental health issues, and we have the second highest suicide rate of any industry, and you know, it's sort of like when people are talking about lean and saying we got this, and you know, we don't really need lean. Um, we ain't got this, guys. You know, we, yeah. we we have the we have a horrible productivity rate. We have a horrible um, record for how we treat our guys with tools in their hands. We have the second highest suicide rate. We got lots of folks that are way overweight that are addicted to various over-the-counter or prescription drugs that use alcohol and tobacco a lot. We we're not winning. This is not this is not a good thing. We really need to start addressing these issues of mental and physical health and well-being, um, or, or I think we're going to be in, in big trouble. Um, we may already be in big trouble. Yeah. We're pro- we probably are definitely yeah. in big trouble. I mean, when we look at the statistics that's been done time and time again, you mentioned the productivity. We keep seeing roughly 75%, you know, give or take a percentage. That's three out of four jobs are late and behind schedule. And it's so normal. I talk to, I've got a lot of friends that are on the owner side and they work in capital construction, you know, every day, day in and day out. That's how they pay the bills. You know, they're what I call serial builders. They're constantly, you know, those are the big university clients, the big healthcare clients, pharmaceutical people that are building year round. And uh, they're so used to projects being late that they're not even surprised when it happens. Yeah. That's just the expectation. And it's not, it's not the, the building is not the problem, and it's not that people aren't smart enough to, to schedule well. There is just a level of complexity that we haven't kept up with, yeah. right? You've got this crazy amount of specialization. When you just look at construction titles today that exist, you know, versus even 20 years ago, there's probably 20 times the number of specializations now than there was. And any given project team, I, mean, I remember talking to a team earlier this week on a small job somewhere around the $20, 30000000 million mark, and the team was 45 people. Wow. You know, and that, that's, that doesn't even include the people that are going to be in the trades. That's just in the front-end planning and the, the design of, and the stakeholders on the client side. I mean, the numbers of people coming together to make buildings happen now are just, I think, much, much larger than they used to be. Yeah. I agree. It's, um, it, it's something that we have to get our, our arms around or it's going to be out of control. And I think that that's, that's where lean comes in. You're going to find the things that add the value and find the things that, that you really do need to do. And my guess is we're probably doing a lot of stuff we don't need to do. No, oh, definitely. Definitely. I'm guilty of that myself. I'm always trying to learn and, and to let go of the things that aren't valuable for anyone. Yeah, it's true. And, and but it, you know, we, we get back to this change is hard thing. I, I, I'd read a book recently called Immunity to Change, which was a, such an interesting book. And these psychologists, they did this, they talked about the study of the, the these people who had like, you know, really horrible physical some kind of disease or symptoms or something and the doctor gave them drugs and they they interviewed and they found guess how how many out of 10 actually take the drugs and do the protocols that are given i'll probably say just to guess i'm going to try to read your mind somewhere less than 15 percent. yeah it's two two or three yeah <laughs> it's way less so this one guy he had he had a double hand transplant Wait, so he had a double hand transplant. What happened to him? Yeah, that well, they had anti-rejection drugs. Just kept forgetting, couldn't take it, and they had to cut his hands back off. Wow. So and so, these psychologists came in and said, "Why do people do that? Like, okay, here's your heart med. You have congestive heart failure, and if you take these meds, you're going to live probably at least five to ten years and have a healthy, normal life. And if you don't take it, you're going to be dead in a couple of years." And they found that people don't take it. Well, why? Well, there's something called psychological immunity. Hmm. So there's some psychological reason that they have in their psychology that is telling them to, to do something or not do something to protect themselves. And I started trying to relate this to people I work with. Like, what? okay, I've got a guy that's a 50-year-old superintendent, total control freak, micromanager, 
and we know those guys, right? Oh yeah. And it's like, look, guy, I, I mean, think about it. You can make your life easier. You can work a lot less. You can mentor people. You can teach people. There's all these positive things, and yet they will not give up that control. Well, why? Well, the psychological immunity is, look, if, if I teach somebody to do it or mentor somebody to do it and they do it well, what am I here for? I'm making yeah. myself obsolete, right? I, I, I want to be relevant and I want to be contributing and I want to be, so the psychological immunity is if I just, you know, delegate, then I'm useless. Yeah, if I give it away, then what am I getting paid for? Yeah, exactly. So you got to overcome that psychological immunity before people will actually work on creating change. And it, it's really hard, but there's a really good methodology in the book, uh, a step-by-step -step kind of methodology to try to figure out what is that stumbling block? What is that competing thing that's preventing me from creating this change? And, you know, change is hard. I always do this exercise. So every, everybody, when you're listening to this or watching this, do this with us. Say the names of the days of the week out loud. Ready? Go. Monday, Monday Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday Thursday, Friday, Friday Saturday, Saturday Sunday. Sunday. Perfect. Now say the names of the days of the week in alphabetical order. Go. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can feel my pupils dilating. <laughs> so uh, see, and see, most people will have given up by yeah, now. I know that, uh, yeah, it's, it's got to be like Monday. <laughs> it's, all right, do you want to know? Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, no, no, it's Friday, Monday. Friday, Monday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday. There you go. Well, you've, you've trained. I've, I've it took me like a week to learn it, that. Right? I had to see the days of the week on a calendar in my mind in order to even find where's the earliest alphabet right. instance. So but I felt my um, eyes go boom. Yeah. See, in your brain, if, it, if, if your life isn't in danger, your brain just says, I ain't doing that. Like, yeah. if it has to burn a lot of glucose to create something that's totally different than what those neural pathways are, that are established are, your brain will not do it. It's a it's a survival kind of mechanism, and you know who the worst at this are? Oh. The masters, the experts, because mm. they just know mm. the answer. They can't have that beginner's mind, right? They have the the expert's mind, the master's mind, and they just know the answer. They can't get to that beginner's mind when they knew nothing, and there's infinite possibility. Yeah, and that's where that uh, you know kind of leaning into chaos, that infinite potential of things that can happen. Yeah. Even I, I've been introduced as the the lean guru recently. I mean, it was, it was just yesterday, and I was laughing and laughing. <laughs> and people are like, "Why are you laughing so hard?" I'm like, "Cause it's it's funny. I come into things, try to be open, and just see what's going to manifest. Like what's right. going to happen. Like I have an idea of what we could do. And, and I I try to cultivate that as well. Even when I'm doing like a keynote, sometimes I'll just go way off script and and do what the audience is sort of telling me to do or feeling that they're telling me to do. Yeah. Uh, and and those instincts, things are always better. Oh yeah. If you just let things unfold and capitalize on what's happening in those moments instead of coming through with these preconceptions on whatever it is, how to run a meeting or how to do a plan. <laughs> You know? Yeah, you're, you're so run. much better off. Are you watching my stuff? Like how to run a meeting? Yeah, how to do? That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's right. It is, uh, and that's hard for people, especially if you're in a habit of control. Yes. Uh, to let that to let that go and just see what happens. It is better. Like, do a small experiment, something really tiny, and see how it goes. If it goes better or not. Yeah. I was having this conversation with my son. Earlier today, he was, uh, he's kind of been phoning in his exercise routine since he's been out of the activities due to COVID. Mm. And I just, instead of telling him what he should do, I turned it around. I said, hey, how strong do you want to get? And his answer was, stronger than you. Oh, wow. And I said, good boy. How are you going to do that if you only have to your, what you're supposed to do? And he's like, it's not going to happen. I was like, well, then I'll always dominate you, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so then, the next time I saw him, he was like dripping with sweat. Nice. He stepped done. up his game. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to be stronger than dad. And I encourage that. Like, be stronger than dad for sure. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, he's a sharp kid. And so most people many, are like that. I just have many, the one kid. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's all I can. I have two hands. So one kid's <laughs> all I get. 
right. I can't uh, I can't handle more than two. No. Not that skilled. How about you, Brent? No kids. I, I married late. So I was 40 and my wife was 43 when we got married. We decided not to have kids. So. Well, you can just adopt me. I'll okay. Be, I could All be right. one of your, your your children out here running around. <laughs> okay. Sounds good, man. We're, yeah. we're just, we're getting ready to move into a bigger place. So you, we'll save your room for you. There you go. Yeah. Just keep my room the way it is. You know, I All like right. my, I like my tchotchkes and my knickknacks as you can see from behind me all right so people that go to your website you give a lot of stuff away for free brent i mean that is a that in of itself is an interesting concept in in our business is because you're technically a consultant and here you are just giving away all this free stuff what is some of the rationale for that well my mission statement is to help to transform the industry and you know, my my theory is the stuff I've created for the industry and the stuff I've kind of cobbled together from lots of different sources, it's really not mine. It's a bunch of different people's. I, I didn't ever, I never copied anything or stole sure. anything, but I took concepts and say, okay, wow, that would really work in a lean setting or that would work with, uh, you know, learning relationships. And so a lot of it's stuff that, that um, I've taken from a bunch of different sources so it's not really truly absolutely mine although i take credit for piecing them together and applying them to construction um and the other thing is i mean the 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 mission statement is to help transform the industry and i can't do that if i'm covetous of the information that will help transform the industry right i love that you're you're taking that commandment to heart not coveting yeah that's right so, by the way, if they go to brentdarnell.com forward slash resources, there's an emotional intelligence test. There's something called the body battery inventory that will measure stressors versus recovery stuff. There's a really good uh, team exercise called the four quadrants. There's the tough guy survival kit. Second edition is there. Um, so it's all kind of really good stuff there. Yeah, and I took that first test myself, and I saw that uh, that I was – Heading in the right direction towards being more empathetic. And I, and I say heading in the right direction. I wasn't where I wanted to be. Like in my mind, I was much further along than I really was. Right. It was a good wake-up call. And it, you can't game the test. No. So you've done well to make that assessment. Well, good. It was a friend of mine that actually did the questions. He's a He's got a PhD in sociology, and he's very smart. So he yeah. did that. And it, it's not perfect, and it is a self-perception evaluation, so it's your perception of yourself. Um, so there's all kind of little limitations built in, but sometimes, like you said, it can be a nice wake-up call or a nice um, just a pointing you in the right direction, uh, which is what, what this is all about, is figuring out, are there some things that, that I could work on to be better? It's the best version of yourself that you can be. Yeah, it's like, uh, it reminds me of the old Stephen Covey sharpening the saw. Yeah, you know, you can you can cut the tree down or you can spend time sharpening the saw and cut the tree down faster. Totally. That that metaphor is so appropriate for this industry. I I cannot tell you how many times that that people have that excuse. of, Well, we got to get the work done. Well, the the owner came and said, you know what? I want to see some footers. Well, why don't we take about six weeks and really do some heavy duty playing? No, we don't have time for that. We got to get some footers in. So it's like, okay, let's go get some footers in, which may change based on what we're trying to do here. But okay, we'll get some footers in if that's what the owner wants. And it's like, when are we going to learn? I, I, I always tell this story. There's a, there was a Japanese construction firm, and they had a 12-month schedule. And they, there was, the site was just like, it was just cleared, the site. Month went by, and the owner said, "Like, hey guys, you know, we got we got eleven months left. What's up? Well, we're planning. Well, okay. Another month went by. Hey guys, you got, you got nothing. There's no <laughs> footers. There's no nothing. There's no steel yeah. going up. What what is going on? We're what we're planning. Another month went by. Three months, four months, Ooh. and finally they just started doing stuff on the fifth month. And guess what? They finished a month." <laughs> you know what, is, what does that tell you yeah and we don't do that we just no, we don't. It, it's so chaotic and so like let's just work over there for a while okay well let's work over here well we, we're stopped there because of an rfi okay well let's just let's go over there 
that's fine. Let's do that. Keep changing and, direction. Yeah, right. and that's what we do for till we ever, whenever we finish, and they all finish. You know, eventually. Eventually, so. they do finish, or you get told enough. Yeah, right. <laughs> One or the other. Yeah. Yeah. There's a. Uh, well, we. I mean, there's some cultural things where we just like to to make progress. It feels good to make progress. Yeah. Right. And planning is not uh, exonerated or elevated in our culture. No. It's seen as like a necessary evil. Right. Yeah. And that gets back to the whole conversation about you got to change the culture for things like lean and, and even technology, embracing technology. You have to change the culture first because you can't just slap technology or slap a lean process on a culture that's not willing to embrace, accept, move forward, improve. Um, it just won't work. It's, it th- won't those work. Are, no, those are Band-Aids that just come off eventually and you're back to the same yeah. old crap. You bleed right through that Band-Aid. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, but the uh, the mental part, and I saw in your in your profile that you got an award from ENR some time ago. Yeah, I love the title of the award. Can you tell people what it is? Um, it's the top twenty five newsmaker, and my award was for um, transforming alpha males into service focused leaders. <laughs> and what what year was that? Two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve. Yeah, so we've got some. Some traction on that. Yeah. You you know what's interesting? When they told me I got it, I thought, I didn't think anything about it. I thought, okay, well, that's kind of cool. And then when I went there and saw the people that they had given this to, I was blown away. Um, The guy that won the, the, they have the award of excellence, which they picked one of the top 25 newsmakers. And this, the guy that won, in fact, no, that wasn't even the guy that won. It was another top 25 newsmaker. He was the guy that got the Chilean miners out. Oh, my God. Wow. Like, oh, my God. Like, I felt so inadequate at that point. <laughs> Such an imposter at that point. But they said, no, you need to enjoy this. This is something yeah. that the industry, and this, again, 2012. Again, 2012. the industry wasn't quite there yet with regard to, you know, collaboration and relationships and those kinds of things. So they said, you're, you're on the cutting edge of this. Like, you're really doing some good work here, so enjoy it. And then they told me, they said, okay, let me put this in perspective for you. The odds of winning a top 25 newsmaker is much greater than, and in terms of general population, than you winning an Oscar. <laughs> I said, wow, that's phenomenal. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So... I did learn to embrace it and um, really was humbled by it because, like I said, these amazing people were, were nominated. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's been my mission from the start is to help the industry be better. I noticed there were a lot of alphas. I noticed that uh, sometimes they're, they get in their own way. And by teaching them a different set of skills, they learn to be really effective and even more effective than they already are because they are. They're just great people. They're the drivers. They get stuff done. Yeah. They already make stuff happen. They know how to do it. And then, you know, increasing your skills with what you teach makes people the the full package. Oh, it just turns them into superstars. I'll give you an example. This guy coached a couple of years ago. He was from in Mexico. His name is Gabriel. And he was removed from a project. Because the owner said, this guy's a jerk, get him out of here. And his project team didn't want to work with him. And so he came to me and said, this is a 50-year-old superintendent that's got lots of experience. It's only just a badass, you know, builder. Yeah. And he came to me like a, like a whip dog. He, he looked awful. And I said, I said look, man, this, let me just say, lay this out for you. There's nothing wrong with it. I said, this is just a different set of skills. That's all this is. So we're going to learn a different set of skills and you're going to be more effective with a lot less wear and tear on yourself. So he was all in as most alphas are. He did the hard work. He, he really did a lot of work on empathy and social responsibility and being a better team member. And um, so about six months into this engagement, they put him on a project with a really difficult client and it, and the client hadn't hired a construction management firm. 
to keep an eye on things. And the construction management firm's guy was just crazy. And he kept posting like stage photos of things that were wrong that yeah. he staged himself. And, <laughs> and this guy, Gabrielle, had developed such a good relationship with the, uh, with the ownership that uh, they ended up firing the construction management firm. Wow. And just hired this contractor directly, right? That's and right. so, and then, so fast forward. My, my dog's got the, barking. Got the dog barking. Yes, hush. No, hush. The dog's like, this is so on point. I gotta, I gotta. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Gotta, gotta get so, the barks out. Fast forward another six months, and they uh, promoted Gabrielle to uh, chief operating officer for like the, all of Mexico. He was like the ops guy. Wow. became the so man that was in 10 months he did that from being removed from a project to the ops manager for the whole country so um he i mean that's a that's a living testament to alphas that they do yeah. the work they make the changes and they and they create something that they didn't even know they could create right now that that 10 months just to give perspective to folks it's probably if i'm guessing some daily work that he's doing right over that 10 month period. It's not like a, a two days, a two day transformation. And then the butterfly emerges from the cocoon. No, it doesn't happen that way. We found that this is more like learning to play a musical instrument or learning a language. It take, it's a different part of your brain. It takes a lot of repetition and coaching and follow up. And we did like at least monthly calls. And sometimes every few weeks, he, he called me about halfway through and, and he said, I know you're not a counselor, but maybe you can help me with this. He said, my niece has moved in with us and she's a pain in the ass. We, we kind of hate her. Like she's trying to run our lives. And I said, well, what's happening with her? And he said, well, she just got a divorce. She lost her job. Um, mm. And that's why she's having to move in with us. She lost her place to live because you can't afford it. And I said, um, how do you think she's feeling right now? And his face just like lit up. You could see the empathy coming in, yeah. you know. And he said, she doesn't feel good about herself, does she? And I said, well, how would you feel? I said, remember when we first started? Think about your body language and what you look like. He said, wow. He said, I never thought of that. He said, I, I said, so what are you going to do? He said, we're going to have a family meeting and I'm just going to tell, tell everybody we're just going to love her and support her and, and just, you know, be here for her, which they did. Yeah. And then about a month later, he calls me back and he said, my niece, she's dating someone. She's got a new job. She's looking for her own place to live. Uh, everything is really turned around. And uh, I think part of it was because we were so supportive of her. So, I mean, Man, you get stuff like that going on where the guy's not only nailing it at work, but he's also his personal life is better because of this work. Right? Yeah. And that's where, you know, in, in my life, Brent, sometimes I get lucky. My wife has been just an unbelievable creator of that sense of it's going to be okay no matter what. Mm. You know, all the, the trials and tribulations that I've gone through, she's just been an amazing rock. And, it's uh, nice to have, man. And it's it's amazing. Even my, uh, I've had relatives of mine tell me that it's unique and special, and you got to appreciate. And as you're telling the story, I'm just thinking, you know, she just wakes up like that, and she's like that with me. It is very, very unique. Yeah, that's you almost it's like a superpower. Yeah, really, it is. Yeah, you feel a little bit. I feel a little more stronger just knowing that someone's out there with my back. Right. That's great, man. I'm glad it you is, got that. Yeah, it is. It is powerful, and uh, and your mindset's the same thing. There's a there's a business um, uh, business owner. He's pretty famous on on many different social media feeds. I won't name his name. He's kind of a quasi private individual, but he does a lot of that type of coaching too, like similar to what you did with Gabriel. Mm -hmm. And he said, in some of the talks that I've heard that people's self-esteem is actually can be a hindrance yeah. to creating an environment of success. And like in both those cases with, with the person you were mentoring and coaching and with the niece, like that was definitely something that was deficient. Yeah. And, and you can't always control what happens. Like you, something might happen at work 
and you get categorized or classified as an underperformer, right? And then you get labeled. Yeah. The labels are really hard to take off of you. They are. Well, what? and it gets back to that original conversation we had. You felt no judgment from me. And, you know, that's a, like I said, I didn't do that deliberately. Like, let me just make sure I'm not judging this person. But I think it's something you cultivate over time with um, working on your own emotional intelligence. Because I am a recovering jerk, you know. I mean, <laughs> totally. I was such a dick, man. I'm telling yeah. you. Uh, you know, mechanical engineer, the smartest guy in the room, always had to prove that I'm right and you're wrong. And uh, it was a horrible, horrible place to be. And um, so I've done a lot of work on myself through this journey of, you know, figuring out what works for, for clients. So um, you're right. It, it's that it's that journey of your yourself and and creating those changes and creating that space to create the change. And, and working, it's a lot of work. Um, yeah, it is a lot of work. My, uh, you know, in the work that I do, it's, it's change work, right? It's, it's, totally. it's constant, it's constant yeah. change work. We do, we, we do actually build things too in the work that we do, right? As an yeah. outcome, but it's people that make it all happen. Yeah. And, and you've seen teams that are high performing. That's like the, that was a big thing probably 20 years ago when lean was getting started and even you know some of the there's a lot a lot of coaches out there in the industry now that are helping people with with issues and we're starting to use the athlete analogy with people in business now to get a high performing team you need high performing athletes high performing individuals right we're moving in that direction the analogies to the sports i think are lend themselves really well yeah they do, and that always astounded me that we we take a group of people, a group of strangers, and throw them in a room, and it's high pressure, it's it's high stress, and they eat crappy food, and they don't get enough sleep, and they don't manage their stress well, and they don't exercise ever, and then we expect them to perform at a high level. Yeah. And guess what? The amazing thing is they do perform at a high level, and they finish those projects, but it comes at a pretty high price. You know, we have the second highest suicide rate. We have a lot of people that are getting these autoimmune diseases and heart disease and these uh, lifestyle choice kind of diseases at, at early ages. And so it comes at a high cost. And I think we can work on both of those areas. We can work on teaching people the, the consequences of those lifestyle choices. And then we can manage projects better where they, they aren't so crazy um, and yeah. don't take such a toll. You know, we can do both. You can do both. Yes, you can do both. Use the and. <laughs> and. That's right. Yeah. You can do the work and have a good time doing it. Definitely. You can be at work and have a family life outside of work. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I just posted on my LinkedIn chapter eight, which is the teamwork and trust and how to create high performing teams on every project. So you've got a lot of good stories about uh, folks getting in touch with you and doing some transformations. And you mentioned you've been in 20 countries at least. Do you see today, are you still surprised at how similar human beings act regardless of where they live? It's totally. It, it's, um, in fact, I did a session, a two-hour session on emotional intelligence and relationships in China uh, Monday morning. And uh, what we're, it's being curious about the cultural differences. And of course, the test is more Western culture. So this one uh, woman said, well, I scored really low in emotional expression. And I said, well, that's probably a cultural difference because from Western culture to Eastern culture, you probably do have lower emotional expression and lower independence and higher social responsibility. So those cultural differences show up in in the test uh, but what we talked about was everybody feels the same emotions emotions are universal but the it's the rules around expressing those emotions that are different yeah. and that can go for countries for culture even for companies right even for offices within companies oh, yeah. there's different unwritten rules about how you express emotion and 
some people are, and even gender differences. Like you get a guy that's kind of a really strong personality, maybe a little bit on the angry side, that's a real mover shaker. And then you get a woman exhibiting those exact same, uh, you know, traits and she's labeled because of that. Well, she yeah. comes on a little too strong, you know? So uh, when people ask me about, like, I got this woman project manager and she's coming on a little bit too strong. I'll say, um, if she was a man, would you ask me that question? Would that be even on the table? No, you'd probably say, well, I got this great project manager. He kicks butt. He really can manage <laughs> He's those a pusher. trade partners. Yes. Yeah. A pusher. They get, they <laughs> so, get the work done. That's right. So we have to be aware that of those cultural biases, of those, um, you know, those unwritten rules around emotions and expression, and make sure that we're curious about those and not condemning or judging about them and explore those and, and ask those questions. If, you know, if this was a, a man instead of a woman, would you be asking this question? And if the answer is no, then why not? Let, let, I mean, let's explore that yeah. and say, what, what biases have we come up with uh, about strong women in this industry um, that we need to address? And we need to figure out, you know, what's, what's going on there. Yeah, it is, it's unique. And you know, by mere chance, Brent, when I was coming into the industry right out of college, like the first handful of jobs that I worked at, my mentors and bosses were women. And it was the, I remember going to some of the company functions and looking out into the audience and, and seeing, you know, just a handful of women in total. And I said, what are the chances that I keep ending on all these projects? And I just took for granted that women were better represented in the industry. And I just heard a statistic today in 2020 that in construction, women are still less than 10% yeah. of people in the workforce. Yeah, and here's the more frightening statistic. Some astronomical, like I think it's 60% leave within the first five years of being in the industry because they, they see no opportunity. They see nobody like them in the C-suite. They see people with these unconscious and conscious biases against them that hold mm -hmm. them down. Um, there are also, there, there's elements of, um, this comes up at every woman conference I've been to. So this isn't me saying this, this is women saying this, is that sometimes women don't support other women in this industry and that can become an issue. Now, don't get me wrong, there's some really brilliant women who are totally into mentoring and helping women get, move up and, and become those leaders, but there are some who aren't and they're, they're undermining process again that's not me saying that that's them saying that at these conferences yeah. that are women's conferences yeah. so let that's something the, that, that yeah. they want to address internally as well no brent let the comments come to the show <laughs> <laughs> like just bringing it well i mean this audience it, has been too quiet <laughs> it's the elephant in the room we have yeah. to talk about that and, and they do. do they do at these conferences the women talk about it in the context of, of other women and i think it's a it's a conversation that has to be had we have to talk about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we're, there's still lots of issues out there, but I'm encouraged and hopeful that the, the younger people are really embracing the things that need to change and changing them. And, you know, the baby boomers, the there there are some that are champions of those changes too. And the ones that aren't, I mean, they're, they're going to be leaving, retiring. Um, yeah. We're going to wish them the best and then usher in the new, leadership and get people to really make some substantive changes in this industry and in all areas, technology, diversity. And the culture has shifted yeah. and we're just feeling the, the shift. Yeah, I think that's part of it. it it's, um, but again, you can go the other direction. You can either through your wisdom, open up to possibilities or you can shut your world down. So um, yeah. that's a choice someone was talking today they were a younger person you know younger than myself and they've had uh some new people join their team and they were they were expressing how they've got these traditions and, and mind you this is like a young person so this was just for me it was amazing to hear a younger person talking about honoring the traditions of their team like the ethos of their team the culture of their team and who are and they're like no disrespect with these new people coming in with these ideas of how things that should be they're just fresh out of school they're like energetic excited to be you know contributing and at work and they're like asking how do i deal with all of these new ideas that are 
they're trying to throw away what we've built here. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about you know some of the people retiring, saying that uh, you know as they're leaving, they want to impart on the people below them. You know, and they're almost like a foot out the door, about to retire like in a year or less. Right now they now they've got that sense of like imparting, and here you've got this like fractal story. Here's a younger person saying, "We have these traditions, but I don't know how to make it evident to the new people why these things that we do are important." And I want to show them, and the new people are like, "I want to show you because you're a dinosaur." Right. <laughs> Someone and the, the the age difference is only like five years. They're right. not radically different in age. What well, do you do I, in that situation? Well, I've always said that we seem to be about a generation behind in the construction industry. A lot of Gen Xers act like baby boomers and a lot of Gen Y act like Gen Xers or even baby boomers. You know what I mean? It's sort yeah. of that oh, that yeah. old traditional hard work ethic, all of those kind of mentalities that are really present in the industry. But I, I think it, just like emotional intelligence, it's all about balance. It's the balance of honoring the traditions and then embracing the new the new ways of thinking and doing, and um, I think there's room for both. And um, I I would, as an old you know, baby boomer, I would say my advice to other baby boomers would be err on the side of embracing the new, um, because I think that's where we fall down more than you know, maintaining the traditions. I think we're really good at that. Yeah. I think we're less adept at embracing the new things. So I would say, uh, give them the space to do that and give them the, the wherewithal and the, the mechanisms and everything to at least throw those ideas out on the table. And, you know, and the other thing is I would take a look at my own emotional profile and if I have the control profile and I tend to micromanage and resist change then is that coming into play in this situation you know am I doing it because I really think that the old traditional things of our team are the best thing ever and can't be changed or am I just resisting something different yeah no that's good and on the flip side that uh you know people that do have that control mechanism and like you said you're a recovering you know, from that side earlier in your career. <laughs> right. So let's pick on you. Yeah. You know, what are the good sides of being controlling? Oh, man. You, you know, you're organized. You you will get everything correct in terms of plans and specs and tolerances and all those things. Uh, that's an awesome part of that profile. And it's about creating that balance where you can get those things where you need them to get them but you also are open to a new product or a new technology or a new something that may make things easier. And you have to be open to that as well. Uh, and there, and again, there's room for both. I think we, we think that there's not like, um, I get this, I ask baby boomers, is there one day a week or one day a month where your people could work from anywhere? No, they say, no, this was before COVID. Before COVID. Yeah. Before COVID, they would say, no, they have to be here at seven. And I I said, well, you know, that's just, that's a ridiculous argument. That is utterly ridiculous because if you're updating, you know, uh, a BIM model or or some kind of technology thing, or you're working on change orders or you're working on a a schedule update, you could do that from a beach in Aruba if they've got good Wi-Fi. Yeah, which they do. Which they do. So I've heard, I haven't been there myself, but I've heard. Um, So as baby boomers and these older even doesn't matter age, doesn't matter generation. It's the people that are stuck in those ways. It's about opening up to those possibilities and, and saying, let's keep the best of what is, but let's also bring in the best of what could be. And, and maybe even some things that aren't quite cooked yet, you know, bring those in and let's figure it out together. Yeah. And after COVID, there was uh, at the beginning stages of COVID after they'll probably say like, not in April here in the United States, but probably around May. It's like everything I saw on social media was a COVID webinar, how to adapt. That's like, right. Like what I saw, in the, and I, I subscribe to primarily construction things. I mean, I just saw like an outpouring of people adapting and sharing it simultaneously. Yeah. And I, I remember a year ago, I couldn't tell you what any given theme was or what people were sharing I mean, outside of like the people that do BIM, God bless them and they're beautiful right. things. BIM, all BIM shared. I mean, it is some gorgeous 
uh, things that I see shared. You guys know, those of you that are, that operate in that BIM space, my hat's off to you because you make some of the most beautiful posts I've ever seen. But then to see the contrast with this year, just the openness and the transparency with like what's happening. I remember a client came to a, a group of their contractors, many contractors, like more than a dozen, and they asked the contractors, would you share with us what you're doing to pivot with COVID challenges? We want, we want to know, not because we don't think you can handle your projects, but because we are struggling to pivot Right. And we want to. We think we can learn from each other, and that created just a magical dialogue yeah. among you know more than fifteen different companies, and they all came out of it better. Right. Yeah, it's important that I mean this uh, forced disruption. If you're not innovating right now, you you got to. I mean, things are different, yeah. and they will continue to be different. And I've done probably half a dozen webinars on pivoting and innovation and during this time and how to really look at things differently. Um, one of the exercises I, I highly recommend is scrap your vision statement. Just throw it out the window. And most vision statements are pretty crappy anyway. They're, you know, we, we want to be the preferred provider of construction services, blah, 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 right? Yeah. So scrap it and then have a contest and you can do this online or you can do it in, in, you know, when we get back to the meeting, but uh, create a, a vision statement that's exactly 32 words. So then mm -hmm. you can do, you may have to put in some filler words, but you do yeah. it exactly 32 words. And then you um, have a second round, you do the winner of that round and the second round you do 16 words. And then you do round three is eight words. And then round four is, you know, four words. And then two words and then one word. And see what that one word ends up being and see which is the sweet spot of really something innovative that is going to be good for decades. Because, you know, um, Blockbuster had a plan. <laughs> and Netflix had a vision. Yeah. Right? And it's the same thing for like Nintendo. Did you know Nintendo was a card company established in the 1800s? No, I had no idea. They were a playing card company and their vision was to create people through play. Well, they're the biggest gaming company on the planet now, right? Yeah. So you got to have that far reaching vision that's compelling, that's exciting, that's um, challenging, that's really embraces everything that we want to be uh, in, in this future for this industry. And most vision statements don't do that. So we encourage them to start there and, and get this new vision and then start um, embracing things that are different and saying, you know, we didn't think this could work working remotely. And guess what? It, it does work. It can work. It can work very well. Um, very well. Yeah. So it's about embracing the best of that and then minimizing the, the downsides of that. And what I've found from teaching, I'm, te I'm teaching a lot of courses and webinars and everything online now, is very little is lost. The only thing is lost is that human to human energetic connection. That's the only thing that's missing. But in fact, in some ways, the online stuff can be better than the in-person stuff. Because take just one example, introverts. Introverts that are in a room, they're going to sit there and be as quiet as they can be and not interact very much. Where if you got them chatting in and, and doing some exercises that they can do sort of anonymously, yeah. they're all over it. So you're getting better participation from those people. Much better. Yeah. Yeah, I remember in the early days of the, of the shift, we had some things scheduled to go in person and we couldn't because of travel restrictions and we had to go virtual and the team had said you know before always trying to be cost conscious and think can i save some time and money not traveling and i always put the offer out there mm -hmm. and nobody would ever take it they always wanted in person had to be in person it can't work right and now it's the virtual is way better and there's no lost time to travel and the collaboration is much deeper the conversations are much deeper. It's just a testament that uh, the human 
The human animal is the most adaptive creature on planet Earth. And maybe we won't ever get that human-to-human energetic connection down from a technology solution, but boy, the technology's come such a long way in such a short period of time. And the features that are available that weren't available even a year ago are astounding. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, and, and that technology will continue to evolve and get better and better and better. Uh, and just like I remember doing webinars five years ago and the, none of the videos played and they were choppy and crappy. And, and I mean, I mean, yeah. And now I can do, a, I'm doing a virtual, virtual session tomorrow with 50 women in the industry. We're going to talk about COVID and innovation and diversity and all these things. And I'm putting them in, I'm doing interactive like whiteboards and I'm doing chat, like a chat stuff where everybody can weigh in. I'm doing breakout rooms where they can have some deep discussions in some smaller groups. Um, and, and I mean, to me, that's even can be better in some ways than them all meeting in a room, you know? So yeah, you just got to use the technology and, and incorporate it. And, and the other thing I'm doing a lot of is taking a lot of classes on how to deliver online stuff in a more interactive, you know, better way and, and get people to really embrace that because quite frankly, I've, I've sat in on a lot of these webinars and zoom meetings and they're pretty, a lot of them are really horrible and yeah. boring and there it's a long lecture. <laughs> it is. We did a, I remember when we had this team doing research, it's an international team. Uh, shout out to the construction industry Institute for volunteering me to, to lead that team. One of the things that happened, we had had these meetings that we had said, you know, we started planning this. It's a two-year ordeal or a two-year labor of love, however you want to look at it. depends on who you are in, on the team. But you're doing research and construction, and we found that uh, early we had to be in person. And people said that the in-person work is where it's amazing. And then when, when COVID hit us, it was a month before the next in-person meeting, and we had a shift to online we went online cameras on two two days 16 hours so one eight hour day online and then second eight hour day online wow and uh, people said wow i'm gonna have to rethink this online thing that was actually pretty good mm-hmm. like we finally because we took all the things from the in-person I, we were doing plus deltas at the in-person mm-hmm. and i just looked at those and i said what did people what were we not fixing and we just really, we intentionally fixed the stuff that people complained about, like not having a break to do some email. I mean, teams had gotten into arguments about you're spending too much time, like checking your email and you're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. And then just giving people a little bit of space to do that, answer those critical things, or my phone rang four times in a row. Should I take it? Yeah, you should. Right. Step out and take <clears throat> it, right? Yeah. Making those spaces and, and people adapted, Brent. I'm amazed the adaptation that people do. Yeah. Well, and if you, with a little creativity and a little uh, thought behind it, you, your online stuff can be just as engaging as, as any in-person thing. In fact, sometimes even more with the technology if you use it right. In fact, I, I've, I'm trying to get the, the word virtual out of my lexicon because virtual rich seiler and i had this discussion he says virtual and he sent me a definition of virtual which is not real you know a a facsimile of reality or something like that so i use the the term online instead of virtual all the time uh, because it infers that in fact i call it live online learning not a virtual class or a webinar a webinar tends to be somebody talking for an hour I don't do webinars. I do interactive experiential stuff that's going to really be engaging and fun and you'll learn a lot and apply it in the real time during the session. That's awesome. We're, we're birds of a feather on that way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's gotta be interactive. You gotta get your hands dirty, have those experiences. The only, I've been accused of being a theoretician, Brent, if you can believe that. And I said, the only theory that I subscribe to is empirical theory, which says that all experiences are gained by direct senses. Yeah. Human sense-making direct. 
was like, that's it. That's 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 called being live. That's right. Guilty. Guilty of being (laughs) empirical. I am too. Yeah. Yeah. No, but this has been great having you come on and and share. Is there anything else that uh, you feel compelling to share, Brent? Well, I I would say take care of each other and check on each other often. The suicide rates are actually increasing uh, across the board, all demographics. and, And so it's bound to be increasing in the construction as well. So don't just assume people are okay. Check in on them often and really try to get some good deep discussions on how they're doing. And, um, and, and don't forget the human side of this. We're, we're isolated physically, but we don't have to be isolated, um, you know, emotionally or there's all kinds of ways you can connect with people. You don't have to be there to, to shake their hand or pat them on the back, um, but check in often because some people are really struggling during this. People yes. with anxiety and depression and, you know, the, that isolation is really taking a toll on them. So make sure you let them know you're there. Uh, let them know you're, you're there to help them and even can give them some resources. There's some great resources. Um, PreventConstructionSuicide.com. There's some risk assessments you can take and collateral material. I invite you to, to have those discussions with your people as well, uh, especially during this time because it's hard. Yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes so people can check that out and, and use that. I've definitely yeah. gotten the calls from, from some friends in the industry that have been struggling. And those have been the, we're just going to talk as long as you need to. Yeah. When you get, if you, and if you're out there and you get that call, think about what else would you do? If you were in that position, you made the call to somebody else. You'd want yeah. somebody on the other end to just listen. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. Um, yeah, likewise. You should be uh, like a recurring guest. Like, <laughs> so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put it out there now. Like this was so, so easy to talk to you. This is, well, thank you. Uh, same here. You're you're a good host, and um, I, I'm glad we touched upon some topics that are maybe people are uncomfortable with. I, I, I think we need to challenge each other. During this time, we talk about that all the time with Lean. Is yeah. respect for each other doesn't mean you you just shut up and be nice it's challenging each other so i hope there's some things that i said that challenge folks um know that i'm here to help i love the industry and i love the people in it and if there's anything i can do to help you as an individual or your company uh, just call me i've got lots of resources and like you said most of them are, are free so yeah check it out yeah definitely value add brent darnell Thank you so much and have a great rest of your week. Enjoy talking to the world and helping the industry get healthier. Thanks, Felipe. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build.